0: J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.
1: Live from the New York Stock Exchange, I'm Julia Chatterley. This is First Move, and here's your need to know... Tariff man returns, President Trump announcing a 10% tax on all remaining Chinese imports. Waging economic war, South Korea hits back as Japan removes its trusted trade partner privileges and U.S. jobs. The American economy adding thousands of workers, but the pace of growth is slowing. It's finally Friday. Let's make a move. the first move never mind finally Friday it's a fast paced Friday and 24 hours of pain for the global economic outlook with trade tensions galore not only that of course US jobs are front and center this morning too we've just had those numbers so let's get to those first the US economy adding some 164,000 workers last month wage growth also ticking up by some 0.3% which is good news the slight caveat here is some revisions to the prior two months we'll have 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 all the analysis coming up shortly for you for now though we are set to lose a bit of ground here for U.S. stocks adding to losses in yesterday's session as I mentioned President Trump threatening to apply a further 10% tariffs this on the additional 300 billion dollars worth of Chinese goods starting in September the Dow and the S&P dropped around 1% yesterday the S&P falling over half a percent it was first back to back 1% drop for the Dow, in fact, this year. Now, if these tariffs actually hit, it will mean then that most goods entering the United States from China are facing some form of tariff. This means consumer products in particular now, and they could therefore get more expensive in the United States. As a result, Apple stock falling some 2% yesterday. Nike falling over 3%. The electronics retailer Best Buy falling by almost 11%. All of them down pre-market yet again today. The pullback is global. We saw Asia stocks get hit, European stocks under pressure today. And as you would imagine, bond prices rising as investors sought safe haven assets. Take a look at the 10-year Treasury yield falling to its lowest level since 2016. The bond market is now 94% sure of a September rate cut. You do have to wonder on the timing of this announcement, and I do. Would it have been made this week Had we seen a half a percentage point cut from Jay Powell, I'm just saying, let's get to the drivers. Trump also held a rally last night and after announcing those tariffs and he said he's got no plans to stop them until a deal is made.
2: And until such time as there is a deal, we will be taxing the hell out of China. That's all there is.
1: A CNN contributor joins us now. Catherine, great to have you on the show. Clearly, we don't believe that anything was expected of the talks this week, and they clearly didn't go very well. What do you
3: make of the decision and the timing here from President Trump? Uh, I think it's bizarre in the sense that the economy is basically the only good thing that he has going for him, the only thing that's keeping him politically afloat. And a day after the Fed chair that he chose uh, told the world multiple times that the single biggest risk to the U.S. economy and to the global economy would be tariffs, of course, Trump added, or announced anyway, another round of tariffs. Um, Look, it's possible that he got the wrong message from the rate cut. Uh, which, obviously, that same Fed chair, Jay Powell, also oversaw. But if so, that was completely the wrong takeaway.
1: Yeah, the argument here is that he knows that Jay Powell and the Federal Reserve will cushion the blow here as far as the economy is concerned by cutting rates. So it, it gives him some support here. I guess the question is, how does China retaliate now? And what
3: impact does that have? Because we know that their economy also under pressure here. Right. Right. So their economy is under pressure. There is uh, great worry about the ongoing slowdown within China. China is limited in its ability to uh, impose more tit-for-tat retaliatory tariffs just because they buy many fewer American goods than we buy of Chinese goods. But they have plenty of other tools at their disposal, right? I mean, they can uh, up the number of inspections of American companies that are operating within China. They can deny licensing deals. They can do a lot of other things to make Life quite unpleasant for U.S. companies that are uh, that have a presence within China. Uh, they can turn away goods. They can have more inspections of good of you know cherries and and other produce at their ports, for example. And until they rot, we saw that happen actually last year when trade tensions were similarly high. So there is a lot at risk here, uh, not only for U.S. consumers, which uh, research several research reports have already shown are paying are are bearing the burden of the trade war already, but of course also for Americans. American manufacturers
1: absolutely actually that's only set to accelerate if
3: we do see these
1: tariffs apply because it puts consumer goods front and center this time around. To your point, if this is playing to the base, and we saw that in that rally last night from, from President Trump, uh, there's an offset here. The pain that consumers, that can farmers, particularly in the United States manufacturers, continue to feel versus the political win of taking a really hardline stance with China here. He's kind of putting the politics before the economics right now.
3: Well, that's assuming he's getting the politics correct. The latest round of tariffs that he has announced will be much more salient to consumers because as you point out, it's on consumer goods. It's on iPhones, clothing, toys, shoes, uh, all sorts of things that people actually buy a- at the store, right? So they're they much more likely to notice and to kind of connect the dots here. Uh, the other issue is even if those particular tariffs are not so salient, maybe I'm wrong on that point. The Uh, enduring uncertainty that the president has caused and continues to cause even if he ultimately decides not to levy this additional round of tariffs uh, is causing companies to delay investment to say maybe i'll wait off on hiring uh, on opening that new plant etc and that could weigh on the economy as i said the economy the strong economy is basically the only thing keeping trump afloat here the fed can only do so much to cushion the blow and if he risks the ongoing um recovery, which has now broken records for how long it's going, if he puts that at risk, that obviously puts his political career at risk as well.
1: Yeah, the Fed can only do so much. Catherine Rample, thank you so much for that. All right, let's talk that through because all those points are exactly, what I think, what investors were saying to themselves over the last 24 hours, global tech stocks like the chip makers, in particular U.S. retail names, as I've mentioned, the likes of Best Buy also coming under pressure. Anna Stewart has been looking at the globe for us and looking at the reaction here. Talk me through it, Anna, because obviously a lot of big questions being asked here once
4: again. And one of the biggest ones is about Huawei because, of course, the president mentioned that there could be a reprieve on his Huawei ban. That was in June. And there's been very much a wait-and-see attitude from investors. Of course, they're not waiting anymore. We saw a huge reaction yesterday stateside, also now uh, Asia as well. Take a look at some of the big Huawei suppliers and how they are now performing. We have Sunny Optical Technology, AAC, BYD, all really uh far down and hope we can bring those up for you because they're down six five seven percent roundabouts there and it's not, of course, just limited to the stocks in China. There is a global ripple effect here. And of course, the American chipmakers you're looking at there and tech companies, software companies, all very much in the crosshairs. Alphabet, Microsoft, Qualcomm, Broadcom, we're expecting further falls today. And, you know, we've just had some of their earnings out, of course. Qualcomm, uh, their revenues were down 13% just in the last quarter compared to the year before. And Huawei and the risks around it was a big element of that Uh, and a Bank of America analyst recently said that actually we've not even seen uh, the real impact of the Huawei ban yet because there was so much stockpiling ahead of the announcement so plenty more pain to come plenty more to look for in the outlooks for these companies Absolutely, I've thrown Samsung
1: there as well. Their chip business coming under real pressure as well. What about in Europe, though, Anna? Too, because I think it's quite interesting to see, in particular, what's going on in the bond market and the flight to safety that we saw in German bonds. Too, talk talk to me about the reaction in Europe as well.
4: Yeah, Julia, you and I love a good German Bund story, don't we? And they have been in negative territory for so long. The 10-year, that is. Further negative territory hit a new uh, low record, in fact. And now the 30-year also down. So the whole yield curve now in negative territory. That is extraordinary. The expectations that we're seeing for further stimulus from central banks all around the world having such a huge impact when you consider this. It's really quite a historical moment. Also stocks, I mean, the global sell-off really spread to Europe today. We're seeing the FTSE 100. That opened down 1.5%. I believe it's deepened uh, its losses since then. Yep, you see it's slightly further down. And look at the Zetra DAX and the Paris Cat Courant. Both fell just over 2% at the open. They've not come back since then. So we are seeing this global spread and probably more to come as the U.S. opens.
1: Yeah. Happy Friday, Julia. I know. Happy Friday. You make the point, but I just, I can't emphasize this enough when we're talking about negative bond yields. This is effectively a government borrowing as an investor. You're paying the government for the privilege of them borrowing money. It's um, nonsensical. It and the only the mind, you get, you Julia. You is that those prices rise. I know. <laughs> yeah, we'll keep talking about it. Anna Stewart, thank you so much for that. And uh, yes, happy Friday. Not so happy Friday <laughs> because we're on to another trade war worry as well. Japan has moved South Korea from its listed uh, its list of trusted trade partners. South Korea's president has vowed to retaliate. Cherise Pham has a story.
5: There's another trade war brewing that could have global consequences for tech companies and smartphones. Japan dropping South Korea as a preferred trading partner, removing it from the so-called whitelist. That means big headaches for Japanese companies. Exports to South Korean companies now need more screening to make sure they're not being used for weapons or military applications. Japan defending the decision.
6: This move was approved to revise Japan's export controls appropriately and was not intended to hurt Japan-South Korea relations
7: or to craft
6: countermeasures.
5: South Korea's president calling the move reckless and promising retaliation.
7: If Japan, even though
3: it has great economic strength,
7: attempts to harm our economy, then the Korean government also has countermeasures with which to respond.
5: A short time later, a government official said South Korea was taking steps to remove Japan from its white list. Moon's Democratic Party, putting it bluntly, saying in a tweet that Japan's decision is An all-out declaration of economic war on our country. The trade spat between the two countries started last month when Tokyo placed export restrictions on three chemicals used to make high-tech products like display screens and memory chips. The materials are vital to South Korean companies, including the world's biggest smartphone maker, Samsung. Seoul sees Tokyo's restrictions as retaliation for a series of disputes dating back to the early 20th century when Japan occupied Korea. Japan has denied that's the case. Investors were already worried about President Trump escalating the U.S.-China trade war. Now this dispute between South Korea and Japan just adding more fuel to the fire. Japan's Nikkei fell more than 2%. South Korea's KOSPI ending the day down about 1%. Sharice Pham, CNN, Hong Kong.
1: All right, let's talk U.S. jobs now, because the U.S. economy added some 164,000 jobs in July. The unemployment rate holding steady at 3.7%. Christina Aleshi has the story. Just break down the details for us, Christina, great to have you with us, because as much as we're seeing inline numbers for this month, revisions to the prior two and the pace of job growth is clearly slowing here.
8: That's right, Julia. A solid number from a headline perspective, no doubt, and it looks like some other metrics like the labor force participation rate is, is pretty good, holding steady, and wage inflation is pretty solid as well. It looks like people are coming off the sidelines, joining the labor force. Those are all positives, a solid jobs report, but you're right, revisions downward in the la- in 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 May, uh, June, and uh, May and June, seem to be causing a little bit of concern. And also, I would point out politically for Donald Trump, the manufacturing job number is very important. And we've seen that essentially flat over the last couple of months. So that's something that people are going to be paying attention to. Look, fundamentally, the economy is pretty strong. The only overhang on this economy is Trump himself. And I was talking to sources yesterday who told me, look, we had a lot of push in maybe a year ago for some bad decisions. But we are on a razor Edge right now, investors are very skittish, and anything could there's a basically a low margin for error, which is why there's so much speculation that Trump escalated the trade war to basically corner the Fed into cutting rates again. It is a risky move because, as I said, investors, CEOs, C-suite types see that there's very little margin for error here. So Trump taking a gamble for political gain, but it's unclear how this is going to play out. Yeah,
1: such a great point. And consumer-facing industries already saying these tariffs will cost U.S. jobs. So uh, any analysis kind of just went out the window. Christina Raleshi, you made good points. Thank you so much for that. All right. Let's bring you up to speed now with some of the other headlines from around the world. The U.S. is reportedly aiming for a major troop drawdown in Afghanistan. Sources say troop numbers would go down from 14,000 to between 8 and 9,000 over the coming months. Washington is hoping the reduction will be made possible by reaching a peace deal with the Taliban. Washington has officially pulled out of a landmark nuclear arms agreement with Russia called the INF Treaty. It marks the end of decades-long agreement restricting the use of land-based missiles with a range of 500 to 5,500 kilometers. The US blames Russia for violating the treaty, but Moscow has denied that. Getting a passport without a male guardian's permission will no longer be off limits for Saudi Arabian women. The Kingdom says women will be able to apply for passports and travel on their own by the end of the month. Until now, women had to get the OK from a male guardian to obtain travel documents. That's good news. All right, coming up on the show, President Trump's tweeting on new tariffs caught both markets and China by surprise. Now China threatens to retaliate. The question is how? And American shoe retailers say President Trump's latest tariff threat could cost U.S. jobs. We'll get all the details. That's up next. Stay with CNN. first move live from the floor of the New York Stock Exchange for the final session this week and I'm just looking at US futures right now and I do think we've clawed back a bit of the earlier pressure right now. The Dow futures now are trading almost flat so it'll be interesting to see how we open up. We've had the new trade threats of course from President Trump against Chinese imports. We've also had US jobs numbers to digest. The US are adding some 164,000 non-farm jobs last month in line with expectations though losing, pairing back, uh, revising downwards uh, the prior two months by some 41,000 jobs. Also watching a statement from the President on EU trade later today. So it's all happening. There's speculation that he will announce an agreement to open up European markets to US beef. So some good news among the more concerning. Let's talk it all through with uh, Leila Miller. He's the CEO of China Beige Book and joins us now. Great to have you with
7: us. Great to be here.
1: What's going on here? Because clearly uh, President Trump is thinking that further pressure can be applied to China here, perhaps to bring them to the table. Miscalculation or a good calculation?
7: Well, he's right insofar as nothing was happening constructively in the trade talks. But, you know, the, the expectations shouldn't have been very high because you didn't have a deadline that was anywhere in the near future. So because of the because of the October uh, event, the 70th anniversary of the People's Republic of China in October, nothing was really going to happen in September October. So any of the real heavy lifting, if there was an agreement this year, would be November and December. So it's not surprising the Chinese didn't come subjectively to the table this time. Still, the president didn't like that they did.
1: So they've got other things going on, to your point. What do they do now? Because, again, you have this bold statement from the president ahead of another pivotable, pivotal event in China. How does China respond at this stage, given that they simply don't import as much as the United States imports, and therefore they can't slap equal and opposite tariffs on to their
7: goods? Well, that's exactly right. I mean, one of the questions we always get from clients is, is this the final straw? Did this finally break the camel's back? Look, the, the Chinese don't like to be humiliated like this. This is not good for them. But at the same time, they've got a lot more to lose and they don't have any levers to push back. So they will announce some things. They've got a few small, they can announce small tariffs. They can harass U.S. firms. They can cut a Boeing order. Uh, they can add to an unreliable entity list that they're building up. But the reality is they can't really fight back right now. What they're trying to do is, 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 buy, is build for time and then hope that they can stretch this out as long as possible, either to get President Trump Out of there, or to they can really solidify the economy even more in order to push back harder.
1: And that's the key here because, to your point, how damaging is tariffs on $500 billion of goods. What are companies in China saying, as they're having conversations with U.S. purchasers here as well, that are perhaps saying, look, we're going to have to shift our supply or our production to other countries in Asia, perhaps, the likes of Vietnam, because we're already hearing noises.
7: Right. It's tempting to think of this as just another addition of tariffs. But, you know, the, the beginning, when, when President Trump started layering on tariffs, the Chinese were able to counteract that through backdoor subsidies, through front door subsidies, through devaluation of the currency. It's been getting harder and this last tranche of tariffs if they go to 25% on everything this is going to be major pressure on the Chinese economy that they really can't uh, fight back very well against. So they're hoping it doesn't happen. There would be a bad effect in the United States as well. I mean this would hit consumers without question. But this is uh, could be really damaging for China which is another reason that they don't really want to stay in this game but they're going to be very inclined to do so.
1: This is the point point that, and this is the, um, the approach I think that President Trump's taking because he's making the gamble here that mm-hmm. ultimately China will come to the table. The question is, and we asked this a long time ago, and I'm going to ask it again, what would be a win here for President Trump? Because he kind of needs to work out what he wants from China here. Because if it's longer-term structural reforms... it looks like he's not going to get it, but it doesn't mean a deal of some sort can't be reached.
7: Right. He cannot get structural reforms that wasn't on the table before. It won't be in the future. However, I think his goal is going to be dependent on who the Democratic candidate is. So if he's going against an arch protectionist, someone like Sanders or Warren or someone he thinks is going to try to outflank him from the left on the protectionist side, then coming to a deal will be very difficult. If it's somebody else like Joe Biden, it'll be a lot easier. And so I think he is creating as many options for himself as possible. If he wants a baby deal, he wants to increase purchases. He can do that, but it won't be anything substantive. And so I think he's biding time, putting more pressure on and trying to have it both ways for as long as possible.
1: What are you seeing in terms of the data in China? I mean, you said it's getting tougher and Mm -hmm. tougher, but, you know, we've had you on as well. And you said they're being targeted about stimulating the retail sector. Mm -hmm. So if you compare what we saw for the growth numbers, and we know we raise a few eyebrows when we get those growth numbers from (laughs) from China. Um, If you compare that to what's going on regionally, Singapore, for example, I mean, there exports are really struggling. You can see that there's this real sensitivity there. There's a contrast between the two. So what actually are you seeing in China?
7: Right. Well, we don't look at the growth numbers because what the Chinese don't announce when things are really bad, so they can announce a recovery. And what you had is really bad growth in the fourth quarter of last year and a recovery in the first quarter and even a little better second quarter. This is not what an official number said. So you've actually seen a strengthening the economy. It hasn't been beautiful, but it's been better than people think. Uh, now, this last Of tariffs if it goes to effect we'll put that to the test but overall I think we're seeing a little bit of a stronger economy which is why the Chinese have gotten cockier in the trade negotiations.
1: What does this mean for Xi as well when he goes into this meeting in the final quarter of this year does he go look you know you can see what President Trump is doing here it's impossible for me to negotiate this is what I'm dealing with Mm -hmm. guys in a way does it help him?
7: I think it does I think that this is actually a very very positive uh, event for President Xi going into the Beidaihe leadership retreat because people are going to be looking around and say this guy, Trump, can't be managed, he can't be controlled, you're doing what you can. It's hard, sort of hard to fault you when there's no one in the world who can actually control this guy. So I think that this helps him. Uh, I think that this will unify the Chinese leadership to some degree around a response. And, uh, and it puts the Chinese in a, probably a better place than they were several weeks ago.
1: What's the end game here? If you had to guess what's the endgame, whether it's the economics on both sides, the politics on both sides, what do you think the endgame
7: is? If they want a baby deal, they can get it. But I Mm. think we're getting closer and closer to the point where neither side wants that deal. They'd rather string this along for a little bit longer and then play politics on both sides and this thing falls apart. And
1: meanwhile, Jay Powell cuts rates.
7: While Jay Powell very actively cuts rates, he may even see QE early next year.
1: Really? Very quickly, do you think we would have seen this announcement this week if Jay Powell would have cut rates by half
7: a percent? No, I don't. I've been arguing this with a lot of people. I think that had Jay Powell cut by 50 basis points, Trump would have said, I told you so, look at this beautiful stock market rise, everything looks better, and he would probably have pushed off this announcement on China
1: theory. Layla Miller, always a pleasure to have you on. The CEO of China, Pagebook there. All right, more analysis to come. We are counting down to the market open for the final time this week. Muted open. We'll see how it shapes up. Stay with First Move. You're watching CNN. That was the opening bell for the final time this week and another long week it's been right now as stock markets are losing a little bit of ground here but the Dow losses that we're seeing far less than we were initially fearing a couple of hours ago. Obviously, the focus today, the fresh Trump trade threats against China tariffs on the additional $300 billion worth of goods potentially coming in September. We've also had the jobs report, of course. The report coming in line with expectations, 164,000 jobs added in July. But the three-month average is the weakest it's been in around two years. As we were discussing earlier on in the show, the pace of jobs growth is slowing here. What about for the U.S. dollar, of course, pulling back after hitting 2 two-year highs. It's down right now against uh, the major currencies a little bit, but up over half a percent against the Chinese yuan, one of the potential levers, of course, that China could pull here. The question is, that has complications of its own. Beijing has warned, though, of retaliation in the wake of Trump's tariff threat, saying, quote, we are open to talks, but we are not afraid of a trade war. Matt Rivers has all the details.
9: Well, Julio, we know that Donald Trump has proclaimed himself a tariff man and he lived up to the billing on Thursday, announcing new 10 percent tariffs on 300 billion dollars worth of Chinese imports to the United States. And if you're saying to yourself, well, wait, didn't he do that already? Well, yes, sort of. He'd previously authorized 25% tariffs on $250 billion worth of Chinese imports. So, take that, add on the new $300 billion worth of tariffs, and where does that leave you? Well, that leaves you with nearly every single product America imports from China now facing tariffs. That's everything from toys to iPhones to furniture, basically a lot of the goods that ordinary consumers buy. And retailers in the U.S. are not happy about this, with a vice president of the Retail Industry Leaders Association saying in a statement, quote, American families shouldn't be a pawn in this trade war. Today's announcement only moves us closer to consumers bearing the brunt of the pain. They say that because a tariff is essentially a tax on the company in the United States that wants to import things from China. So now, for example, when a retailer buys a baseball glove from China, it costs more because of the tariff. That cost is often then passed on to the consumer. But it's not just consumers that will feel the pain from this. It's also American companies that export goods China and American companies that need access to the Chinese market for their bottom lines. Now, China has already put tariffs on a lot of American imports, and they'll likely increase those in response to Trump's latest move. And they could also make life harder for American companies by restricting access to China's market. Look, in the end, a lot of people agree that China has engaged in unfair trade practices for a very long time. Things like stealing intellectual property or forcing American companies to transfer technology to their Chinese partners. And there are a lot of people who are applauding the Trump administration for taking concrete action to try and change those behaviors in a way, frankly, that previous administrations, both Republican and Democrat, didn't. But where there is disagreement is on whether tariffs are an effective way to get China to change its economic ways, because ultimately tariffs can hurt American consumers and American companies. And Julia, you and I both know that pain will only increase the longer this trade war goes on. Julia.
1: For both sides. Let's talk this through. Uh, Darius Dow, Managing Director and Partner at Hedgeye Risk Management joins us now. Hi. Great to have you on the show. Always a pleasure. What do you make of the latest tariff threat and, of course, the potential impact?
10: Yeah, well, definitely it's a continuation of the same. And the reason the markets are having such a negative response to this is because investors came into the week basically long of two call options. One, powerful easing cycle by the Fed, which they did not get based on Jay Powell's commentary, and obviously more resolution on the U.S.-China trade front that could obviously ameliorate the concerns on the global economy, which obviously, as we saw last night, no, nah, not so no. much.
1: You know, we were having a conversation earlier on in the show about whether or not had j Powell cut rates by half a percent, whether the president would have made this announcement this well, week.
10: Well, there's some chatter around going around the street that Donald Trump is using trade tariffs to gain what he actually ultimately wants is much more rate cuts out of the Federal Reserve. Yeah. Um, we definitely think that's going to come, but we do think there's a black hole developing here over the next two to three months with the U.S. economy continuing to slow, the outlook for corporate profits continuing to deteriorate. Um, there could be a black hole for stocks and credit over the next couple of months in in that context before you get those rate cuts.
1: Define black hole. (laughs) I mean, I
10: think investors remember May and I certainly think that most investors remember December of last year. That's the kind of black hole we think is the ultimate market risk forming now.
1: What starts that? Because we had really low expectations coming into earnings season. The usual percentage of companies have beaten, lowered, significantly lowered expectations. So if we get to a point now where we have the threat of further tariffs from Trump, we're looking at the situation right now, but we're still in aggregate. Only what one percent, one and a half percent from record highs here. What triggers that? Well, it's all that you're so if you, about. If
10: you think about crises, you always need to talk about the vulnerabilities and the trigger. Right. The vulnerabilities, the U.S. the global economy has been slowing for two years now. Pick your spot. The U.S. economy has been slowing for 12, almost 18 months now. Pick your sector. And now the trigger is that investors have come into this year, most professional money managers behind their bogey, their year-to-date bogeys, and they're chasing stocks into these highs, hoping that earnings recover, hoping that there's a trade uh, amelioration on trade concerns. And when those things do not happen, Let's look out below.
1: So we have to be very careful, even from today, basically, with the kind of nervousness that we're seeing in the markets Uh, right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Where do you go as an investor? And what does this mean for bonds? Because, again, we were talking earlier on the show. You are seeing more and more of global bond yields going below negative. Prices are incredibly high. Can they go even higher right now? And what does this mean for bond it's, properties, It's
10: always too? it's always about the cycle. So if the cycle continues to slow in growth and in inflation terms domestically and globally, which we have our model suggests it's going to continue at least through the third quarter, then yes, bonds can go higher. I mean, again, we I was on your show a little a little more a little less than a year ago in September. I we remember. said, where do you go? If the cycle slows, go buy bonds. You look at the return, the total return of twenty-year Treasury paper, up eighteen percent since then. What's the total return for the S&P of hundred since then? Yeah. After today it might be flat.
1: Yeah. To understand the difference. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we've talked about bonds, we've talked about equities here. You also had a great call on emerging markets. You kind of got bearish at the right time. What does last it mean? Yeah. January. What does it make you feel, given what we're seeing right now? If we're talking about potential for J.P. to cut rates further, if we're seeing softness, we know he's very sensitive to shifts in stock markets as well in the United States, if not whatever else is going on in the world. Absolutely. What does it mean for your views right now in emerging markets? Because a lot of investors
10: have piled in this year. Yeah, so a lot of ministers have piled in. We've been on the sidelines. We continue to remain cautious in emerging markets. We think hard currency debt should continue to perform as as interest rates continue to lower in the developed world. But more importantly, in emerging markets. We've been bearish in emerging markets since January. Yeah, you have. We're now kind of on the sidelines, but we do think by the fourth quarter of this year, once you get past Quad 4, once you get past this black hole risk developing in the U.S. equity and credit markets, then you can actually start to allocate assets to E.M. recovery because China by then should start to stabilize. Europe by then should start to stabilize. We haven't seen in the data yet. In fact, all the most recent data continues to suggest we're troughing towards those 80 years, but by then you transpose this three, four, five months from now, merger markets would be a fantastic buying opportunity.
1: Okay, China. Mm-hmm. Because the gamble that President Trump is making here is that, look, China wants to do a deal. China needs to do a deal, threaten more tariffs, it will eventually bring them to the table to do some form of deal. I know you're laughing what's your sense from the data that you're seeing whether it's trade partners of china whether it's china as itself how necessary do you think it is for china to do a deal here and the probability that we do see some form of deal Well, i think you
10: have to separate how us westerners view china and the neat the neat necessity for a deal versus the data so the data suggests they need to do a deal you look at chinese manufacturing pmis third month in contraction you know some of these things that can actually correlate to the rest of the world the right. global economy exports for all of key china's partners down double digits if you look at south korea Brazil, Hong Kong, all these countries. So it seems to suggest that China needs a deal. When you talk to the guys in Beijing and you read their local press, it says they're ready to dig in and, and, and hold their ground. They're not going to be bullied around. This China's a rising power, and this is the long game. They're playing the 2025-2050 the game against Donald Trump, who's got an election next year. So if you ask me who really needs a deal, I'll tell you. I'll take a look at the spies, and I'll tell you what color they are, and I'll tell you if, if it's red, it's Donald Trump. <laughs>
1: Darius Dale, always great to chat to you. Darius Dale, Managing Director and Partner at Hedgeye Risk Management. All right, we're going to take a quick break here. But when we come back, President Trump's tariffs step on the toes of American shoe retailers. We'll step into their shoes too as I speak to the CEO of the Footwear Distributors and Retailers of America. That's after this. And I tell you, they're not happy. first move. President Trump's tariff talk could come at the cost for some American retailers. While President Trump has suggested that this, of course, may resonate with his own base, USU retailers are worried that they could be hurt by the additional 10% tariffs on $300 billion of Chinese-made goods. Matt Priest is the president and CEO of Footwear Distributors and Retailers of America, and he joins us now from Washington. Matt, fantastic to have you with us once again. You've said you're incredibly dismayed at this announcement. Talk us through what this is going to mean ultimately for those you represent, but also for U.S.
6: consumers? Yeah, thanks for having me on, Julia. It's, it's great to be back with you. Our big concern is that now the president has launched these new tariffs on every single item that comes from China, and that's, that's going to hit pocketbooks of every single American, which includes footwear. And as we talked about before, footwear already has very high duty rates. We paid $3 billion in duties last year, and we know for a fact that as prices go up, the consumer will be hit. And so if you think about the consumer being hit on every single consumer good this will be a death by a thousand cuts for our for American consumers here at home
1: I mean just to be clear 70% of shoes sold in the United States come from China and they already have a 67% duty applied to those shoes can you give us a sense of just what kind of increase in cost we're potentially talking about if this is passed on
6: yeah so it just depends on the rate so if we stick at 10% the 10% rate will take a pair of canvas sneakers, and will instantly jack up the price $10. So if you have a $50 pair of sneakers, it'll be $10 in added costs. It's a $60 pair of sneakers out of the gate, uh, particularly when we're heading into the holiday season. It's a This is terrible timing, but then it spreads across everything. It is electronics, it's books, paper products, apparel, toys, you name it. This is going to be Uh, hitting consumers just as we get back, get into the holiday season, and they're not gonna be able to avoid it. Consumers will not be able to hide from these price increases.
1: Does it gonna mean that we see US companies who ultimately are paying a higher price to import these goods go, you know what, we simply can't hire the same amount of people or continue to hire the same amount of people, because you've suggested it's gonna cost US jobs. Is that the case?
6: that is the case because you got to think of tariffs as a cost to an American company. It's, it's touted by the president as a cost the Chinese are paying. And maybe it's, it's dampening demand on, for Chinese goods, which impacts the Chinese manufacturing sector. But at the end of the day, the U.S. government tallies that duty at the border on American companies. And if those American companies have increased costs, in the form of a tax increase, in the form of a duty, they have less money to invest in either reduced prices for consumers or in jobs here at home or in R&D development, design, distribution, all the things that go into the 21st century supply chain, footwear supply chain. And so that's that's a cost that goes away. And, And this is essentially one of the largest tax increases in American history. It's not talked of as much by the administration in those terms but is it, a tax? it is a tax increase, there's no mistaking it.
1: Yeah, the president has argued all the way along though that he wants to see those jobs and the production that's taking place outside of the United States brought back into the United States. How easily can U.S. companies that have manufacturing operations over there or buy from Chinese companies switch? Let's say they go to Vietnam or somewhere else. How easy is that for U.S. firms with operations or supply chains elsewhere?
6: Yeah, it's a great question, Julia. It is very difficult. Footwear is still very labor intensive. It's capital intensive. It takes years to establish manufacturing capacity in countries. And at the end of the day, if you flee China because there's a 10 percent added duty on top of what we already pay and you go to a place like Vietnam, uh, there's a spike in demand in Vietnam. That's driving up costs. And so you're not going to save flat out 10% or if the duty rate ultimately is 25% on top of current duty rates. You're not gonna save that by just moving to Vietnam or moving to another supplier because it takes time. Labor rates are different. Uh, Their demand has gone up. Anecdotally, we're hearing price spikes in Vietnam. And so again, the consumer will be impacted whether the product is made in China or it's made in Vietnam or elsewhere, these cost increases will reverberate throughout the supply chain and the American consumer will pay that increase.
1: We know what's going on here to some degree. It's an effort to reach a a trade deal and improve conditions with China. Do you see this as the White House putting politics perhaps before economics here and and that American families, the U.S. consumer is kind of getting caught in the crossfire?
6: That's what it does feel like, Julia. And in, in the end of the, or at the end of the day, it seems that the administration, the president himself is trying to apply pressure as the two sides again meet here in September, uh, at least according to published reports. And so it, are they looking to have added pressure and more kind of a sense of urgency with these discussions in September? Because the president seems to be getting antsy about the need to have a deal. Uh, the longer this hangs out there, the harder it will be on the economy, particularly if we're heading into a softer economic period. The uncertainty is driving companies crazy, and so it might be a political attempt to try to put pressure on the Chinese to force them to want to do a deal. But it seems, as your, as your recent guest just said, that the Chinese are digging in. Uh, published reports in Beijing are talking about the need to continue to kind of rope-a-dope. It seems like there's a collective rope-a-dope on both sides happening, which makes us think that this, this trade spat, this trade war is not going to be over anytime soon.
1: President and CEO of Footwear Distributors and Retailers of America. So thank you so much for joining us on First Move today.
6: Thank you, Julia. All right.
1: More to come. You're with First Move. First move, and a look at our global movers today. Apple shares under pressure once again. The stock fell sharply after President Trump announced a 10% tariffs on $300 billion worth of Chinese goods. Tariffs are set to start in September. Of course, the company warned in June that tariffs could affect all of Apple's major products, despite suggesting that they were seeing some consolidation. Of course, in the earnings this week, Exxon and Chevron are both higher today. Exxon second-quarter earnings beat estimates. Despite the broader trade war concerns and fears of crude oversupply, Exxon ramping up production in the Permian Basin far more than it had previously revealed. Chevron also beat expectations, citing strong Permian Basin production, and it banked a $740 million breakup fee after Anadarko walked away from an agreed merger. Also in line with these guys, oil prices moving higher today, up around some 3%. Recovering a fraction of yesterday's losses following President Trump's latest tariff threat against China. Rent slumped by more than 7% yesterday, while U.S. crude fell nearly 8%. Its biggest drop in more than four years. To break all this down for us, Matt Egan joins us now. Matt, great to have you with us. We've got supply issues, we've got demand issues here, and it is and does feel like the demand, the global economic outlook is still the greater weight here. Also a challenge for some of these are all majors, but they're handling it pretty well.
2: Yeah, Julia, uh, don't blink because otherwise you might miss a crazy move in the oil market. Now, clearly sentiment in energy right now is uh, very fragile. When you look at that 8% drop yesterday in U.S. oil prices, as you mentioned, it was the worst one-day decline in four and a half years. I mean, that's pretty incredible when you think about it. I mean, that's worse than anything we saw last December, which was a crazy month, obviously, in financial markets, worse than Brexit, worse than those 1,000-point drops in early 2018. And so clearly, the energy market, the oil market, um, is is sending a message here. Now, while oil prices are back up um, this morning, that really only gives back just a, uh, a chunk of yesterday's losses. Um, I think all of this is just a fresh reminder to exactly what you said, that energy is very, very vulnerable to any perceived shifts in demand. Obviously these threatened tariffs, if they went into effect, I mean, even, even if they don't go into effect, it's already a negative for growth because it's creating uncertainty. If they do go into effect, it's going to raise costs and increase more uncertainty. China can retaliate. So all of that is definitely a negative uh, for the energy market. And just one of the point I would make, Julia, is that you know the energy market, the oil market, was pretty uh, weak coming into this. You think about All these potentially seemingly bullish factors that oil didn't really rally on, everything from the tensions in the Strait of Hormuz to the the sanctions on Iran, the sanctions on Venezuela um, didn't really move oil prices all that much. Um, But right now it's all about the trade war.
1: Absolutely. And what about for some of the majors and the earnings giants? Because we had Chevron and we had Exxon today reporting. It looks like both results beat expectations.
2: That's right. And and what I was most intrigued by is um, Exxon was talking about how their oil production really increased year over year. And that is because they've invested a lot of money. Back at home in the United States, I mean, these oil majors were really, um, they missed the shale boom. Even though it happened in their backyard, they were doing what they always do, which is invest overseas in these uh, really long-term uh, projects that, that only companies with the strongest balance sheets can do. But now they've shifted. Both Chevron and Exxon are really plowing money into Texas, into the Permian Basin. And that already has paid off for Chevron, which is seeing production growth. And now Exxon as well is uh, seemingly moving in that direction. So, all of this is a reminder that uh, there's a lot of oil coming from the United States right now.
1: Yes, pumping out that oil. Matt Egan, great job. Thank you so much for that. All right. Let me bring you up to speed now with today's Boardroom Brief. The biggest name in online video gaming, Tyler Blevins, also known as Ninja, is leaving streaming giant Twitch. Ninja has over 14.7 million followers on Twitch and will be moving it to a rival called Mixer. In a Twitter video, Ninja says he wants to move back to his streaming roots. Burger King is moving firmly in on the meat substitute market. This time next week, it introduces plant-based whoppers across the United States. It's the biggest rollout so far for Impossible Foods, which makes the veggie patties, the CFO of Impossible, told CNN's Richard Quest, being available in restaurants like Burger King is as important as getting the product into stores.
0: When a meat eater goes into a restaurant, they want something new. They look for the special of the day and they can know within an instant everything they can purchase because they look at the menu, whether it's a counter menu or it's a sit down menu. That same meat eater in a grocery store, they have a bias against plant based products because up until now, no one's really delivered on taste. We think both are important. We think the retail channel and the food service channel are important.
1: And that's it for the show. I'm Julia Chasley. You can also listen to our podcast, cnn.com podcast. For now, you've been watching First Move. Time to make yours. I'll see you in a couple of hours.
0: When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number Smart Beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level.